Shalom, and welcome back to another episode of Israel Policy Pod. I'm Eli Koaz. And I'm Evan Gottesman. Evan, are you ready to talk some Israeli politics? You know, Eli, I woke up this morning and I was thinking, what's something we haven't discussed enough in the past two years? And that is Israeli politics and Israeli elections. So yeah, I'm ready. So let's get into it. It's been a very eventful few days, um, starting on Monday, when uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu pretty much lost control of the Knesset in a way, when Netanyahu's opponents uh, succeeded in passing um, their proposal to take control over the Knesset Arrangements Committee, which run the Knesset um, for the period of time until a government is formed. Now, that happened uh, because the breakoff party from the joint list, Ra'am, voted with the anti-Netanyahu bloc. They went along uh, with Yair Lapid and Mayor Cohen's uh, proposal, something that took a lot of people uh, by surprise because a lot of people were sure that they were uh, with Netanyahu. So this is a big blow to Netanyahu, and... Um, we'll have to see how this plays out. Remember, Netanyahu, a few weeks ago, was tasked with the first go at forming a coalition uh, by President Reuven Rivlin. And we knew Netanyahu had his work cut out for him uh, when he received the mandate from the president. We didn't really foresee this. And Netanyahu has just two weeks left uh, to put together a coalition, and the odds are against him. Let's take a step back also and look at the significance of what happened with the Knesset Arrangements Committee. This is the body that is tasked with setting the agenda for the Knesset in the absence of a government. And even if Netanyahu fails to form a government, actually, especially if he fails to form a government in this first go at that uh, process, then uh, it may be some time this year that Israel is without a government. And so that Knesset Arrangements Committee will be in a pretty important position. Right. Let's say Netanyahu is unable to form a coalition in the last two weeks. Then what happens is the mandate is returned to the president. And President Rivlin has a number of options. He can uh, indeed give the mandate to another MK, uh, the most likely being Yair Lapid, the leader of Yeshatid, um, or he can also pass the mandate to the Knesset, where then uh, there would be a period of time when any MK who gets 61 seats um, could form a government. And if that is not successful, then we'd be on our way to a sixth election in this current, current cycle. Wait, a fifth election or a sixth election? Oh, God, Evan, this isn't good. Yes. You know that we're in a problematic situation when you start stumbling over the number of elections that have taken this place since good. April 2019. Not, not this a good isn't place. good. Yeah. And the other option is Netanyahu asking for an extension from uh, President Rivlin, a two week extension. Um, right now, I would say that that's probably not likely because Netanyahu doesn't look uh, like he's close to being able to form a government. He tried to convince uh, Naftali Bennett to join. He tried to convince uh, his a longtime rival uh, Gidon Sar to join. Um, and he's we can we'll talk more about what he's trying to do and how he's trying to somehow 
make a coalition of 61 Knesset members, um, but uh, it's looking unlikely at this moment. And Netanyahu's desperation is showing in light of the moment. You want to talk about his, shall we say, tirade, tantrum? I don't know the right way to put it on, on television yesterday. So I think there, there are two things to talk about when we're talking about this tantrum. Um, uh, let's talk about <laughs> specifically what happened yesterday was that uh, Naftali Bennett, uh, both Naftali Bennett and Benjamin Netanyahu scheduled um, to make uh, primetime addresses to the Israeli public, um, I believe at, at 8 p.m. Uh, Israel time when, when the evening news is usually on. And uh, Naftali Bennett actually went first. Netanyahu obviously loves having having the last word. And Naftali Bennett said um, something interesting and that connects directly with Netanyahu's remarks. Um, he said that should a right-wing government fail at being formed, should Netanyahu fail, then Bennett would be willing to form what he called a unity government that was comprised of also Israeli left-wing parties. Um, so it's something that uh, we haven't heard from Naftali Bennett at this stage. We heard in the campaign that he wouldn't commit on whether he would join the pro or anti-Netanyahu blog, but this is definitely important. And I think this could be what we, when we look back, this could be a turning point in Naftali Bennett's political career, but also at the same time, it could not be, but definitely important remarks from Bennett. And what happened was afterwards, Netanyahu came up and did, I would even call it like open mic. He he just went rambling on about how Bennett is uh, part of the left. And obviously, the laundry list of Israeli leftists now includes Gidon Sar, Victor Lieberman. I mean, we can go go on and on. Um, maybe uh, Itamar Ben-Gvir will make it onto that list one day. Who knows? Um, but he also said, and he's been saying this recently, is that he thinks the best way to solve the entire scenario now is to have another election, but a different kind of election, where I guess he thinks he has a good chance of, of winning, which is a direct vote for uh, prime minister, so for premiership. And that is something that existed in Israel. Um, there were three elections where it happened in Israel from 96 to 2001, um, kind of out of the blue, but I guess after failing to form a coalition after four consecutive elections, I guess Netanyahu thinks this is his um, best chance. But a lot of really crazy and interesting developments that we're trying to make sense for, for our listeners. But very eventful few days in Israeli politics and watching closely to see what happens. A lot has to go Netanyahu's way for this to work out, but a lot has to fall really neatly into place for things to work out for the anti-Netanyahu uh, block, if you can call it that. As you hinted at, uh, this could be a turning point for Naftali Bennett, and it also could not be. And there's a lot of reason to believe in the latter eventuality there, because Bennett has a track record of waffling on Netanyahu and not Netanyahu, not only in this election cycle, but really uh, through his political career. And if you look at the beginning of this now 
two-year-long series of successive Israeli elections that began with the April 2019 election, uh, what precipitated that was the breakup of the uh, Israeli government that started with the resignation of Avigdor Lieberman as defense minister, which was expected to be followed by Naftali Bennett resigning. Uh, and Bennett made a big fuss, got all confrontational with Netanyahu, and then he backed down. And, uh, you know, Netanyahu ultimately dissolved the Knesset on his own terms. Uh, but the point being there that this is not the first time Bennett has sort of gotten in Netanyahu's face, tried to, uh, you know, push him around and then back down on it. The difference potentially being here that Bennett uh, may be in a more advantageous position vis-a-vis -vis Netanyahu because Netanyahu is particularly vulnerable now, much more so than he was two years ago. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned the direct elections uh, program. This really seems like the most unconventional thing that Netanyahu has brought out uh, in this entire process. Israel has not had a direct election, as you said, in 20 years, since 2001. Uh, this direct election system by which the Knesset um, is elected separately from the prime minister was instituted based on a basic law on the government passed in 1992 and then first implemented for the 1996 uh, Israeli elections. Um, and that process was ultimately reversed with a new basic law in 2001. So Israel has tried this experiment in having the prime minister elected separately from the rest of the Knesset, and it has decided that it is not the best system for that country. So it would be very interesting, and at least now, uh, hard to envision them returning to it, but Netanyahu uh, certainly individually as compared to other people, uh, other prime ministerial candidates, uh, is probably more popular, just taken individually, um, in terms of the base of support that he can command. But uh, going all the way back to this direct election system, that we'll have to see. Right. And remember that, just like Netanyahu, we need 61 members of Knesset to form a coalition he would also need the same amount to pass this this law. So much easier said uh, than done, right? Because, listen, uh, most of the anti-Netanyahu bloc are not likely to go along with this idea. So uh, I think this is more wishful thinking from Netanyahu uh, than anything. But we'll have to follow and see what happens because Netanyahu has about two weeks remaining um, before he has to return the mandate to the to President Rivlin. And he's tried to really bring in Gidon Sar, to bring in Naftali Bennett with little success. And it seems from his remarks yesterday that the idea of having Ram join the coalition um, isn't as, maybe he, he gave up on it in a way. Remember, Netanyahu was struggling because on one hand he had a, the right wing a Kahanist religious Zionist party led by Bezalel Smotrich, obviously with uh, Itamar Ben-Gvir um, on one hand. And on the other hand, he was trying to negotiate with Ram, the party that is representative of, of the Muslim Brotherhood. So this really didn't 
uh, work for him because on one hand, uh, the religious Zionists said that there wouldn't be, they wouldn't be part of any coalition with Ram and, um, vice versa. So not an easy spot for him. And I suspect that it's very likely that it will see two weeks. Um, and even Netanyahu could possibly, uh, give back the mandate before that. Exactly. And here we have a situation in which Netanyahu may be falling victim to his own being too clever by half. The fact that Ram and the religious Zionists are not compatible is something that probably could have been seen a mile away, but Netanyahu worked to cultivate both of these factions in the lead-up to the March 23rd election, both in trying to bring together the Religious Zionist Alliance, um, that includes several far-right factions, and trying to uh, keep Ram in his orbit, not too close, but uh, close enough. And now he's in a situation where he needs both of them, but anyone with even a passing knowledge of Israeli politics and just knowing what the basic platform of each of those two parties is could tell you that they're not going to work together, or it's going to be very, very hard <laughs> to make that partnership happen. For sure. Um, but I mean, on, on paper, it would for Netanyahu, what would make the most sense was if he could convince Bennett and Gidon Saar. Um, but I, I'm sure you saw that tweet uh, Evan of uh, that was caught on camera on uh, during the vote for the arrangements committee a Gidon Sar wink uh, that was directed at kind of behind Netanyahu's back. So I don't know how likely that is. Um, Netanyahu uh, has app- apparently in in negotiations with Bennett. Uh, Bennett was demanding a rotation, being prime minister, um, something uh, that is also, I guess, wishful from his perspective, uh, being the head of a party with only seven seats. But one thing that I'll mention that we haven't really touched on is that part of uh, Netanyahu's speech yesterday, uh, frantic speech, um, was that he talked a lot about Naftali Bennett, but obviously, Bennett is the one who will reap the rewards if he um, is part of a coalition that ends up replacing Netanyahu, because he's likely to even be uh, prime minister for a period of time in that scenario. About, I think Netanyahu was possibly targeting uh, the other Yamina Knesset members, um, including Ayala Chaked, Matan Kahana, um, the six other. Uh, Yamina Knesset members that are very right-wing ideologically and um, that I'm not sure would jump on this opportunity um, that uh, that Bennett may be leading them on to joining a government that includes labor and maybe merits um, and maybe trying to still find defectors. I mean, uh, you know, Netanyahu is definitely not going to go down without a fight. While we're talking about defectors, though, Netanyahu may now want to worry about defectors within his own party. At the very least, his control over Likud is not quite as airtight as it used to be, and the vultures 
are already circling overhead. People already seem to smell blood a little. There have been whispers about Yisrael Katz. Uh, even uh, Mickey Zohar, someone who I think is seen as being close to or supportive of Netanyahu, made a comment that the Likud would proudly lead the right wing into the opposition if that needed to be the case. And that's not an option for Netanyahu. Maybe in normal circumstances, a party that can't form a government, they would say something like that. You know, we're going to lead our people and our agenda into the opposition. But let's not forget that this all comes back to Netanyahu and his trial uh, in these different corruption cases, trying to stay out of jail. So it's not just a question of, you know, can he Uh, bear the indignity of not being prime minister for a couple of months or a couple of years. Uh, This is kind of a matter of personal survival as well as political survival. So uh, we will have to see. 12 days is what Benjamin Netanyahu has left before his time to form a coalition expires. I'm watching it pretty closely, Evan. I don't know. Bibi's been in some tough spots before, but I don't know if he'll get out of this one, but we'll wait. We'll just have to wait and see. Indeed we will. But until then, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Israel Policy Pod. And until next time, stay safe and stay healthy. Yalla bye.